0: Broadcasting from everywhere and nowhere. The Misfit Crew at South Fleet HQ is proud to bring you the Dive Living Podcast.
1: So, it has been a year and change since you've been on the podcast, right? Oh, uh,
0: longer than that. Longer than a year, really? I think. Yeah, it's almost two. Yeah,
1: Jeff Dardia, ladies and gentlemen, who is the most medical, non-medical person I know. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's a, it 18 Bravo, right? Uh, Bravo, yeah. Fox, Zulu. Yeah, so he's a weapons guy, an intel guy, which would indicate he might have some intelligence, and then he was promoted to Team Sergeant, or E8, which is a Zulu, which indicates that he's prepping for a frontal lobotomy. Um, I'm going to actually turn that one down. Aww. So, no
0: smudge uh, in your future. No
1: grass and sideburns for me. I assume that that's because you're old, you sold too much Red Bull <laughs> and you uh you've fought for the boys for too long.
2: Yeah, a little bit a little bit of damage inside the system, so I'm I'm going to be uh
1: disassembled. As so. a as a quick cliff notes, um Jeff started a Facebook group called uh, soft health awareness, which I was added to years ago by an old friend, and I was reasonably certain was full of quackery and lies. And I, over time, realized that most of the things that Jeff was bringing to people's attention were at starting to affect me. So it became less, I became less certain about whether <laughs> it was actually quackery as I was like, shit. I'm
0: falling apart. It's very, very difficult to differentiate quackery from cutting edge when it comes to medicine, mostly because they're all on the on websites that are called like Health News for the Future Now dot fart. You're like, this can't be legitimate. Like, this is not a legitimate thing. Yeah, but it turns out. Needless, most of that yeah, stuff is as so right
1: around the time I was losing my mind yeah. that's when I started to assume that maybe this dude who was a bravo <laughs> who runs a health group on the internet <laughs> might know what he's talking about he got me to the Cleveland clinic which got me a ton of uh you know like Level evaluations. As a fellow Bravo, I am not well versed on medicine. I failed the Delta course, um,
0: but you failed the Delta course too. Yeah, thanks, Brian. I had a team full of failed <laughs> deltas. We were the most
1: cross trained medical. Well, I knew you ODA failed the Charlie course, so I didn't fail the Charlie course. I pissed off a guy who made sure I got kicked out of the Charlie course, but I had a great grade point average in the Charlie course. So I can't
2: believe you pissed someone
1: off. That's <laughs> a weird situation. <laughs> um, however, essentially. Jeff saved my life in the 2015 time time timeframe by introducing me to a whole variety of like alternative medical approaches to things that doctors that I was going to for my problems weren't identifying in regular tests. And the whole time that this Doug drama has been unfolding, Jeff has been quietly, well, sometimes not so quietly, (laughs) working behind the scenes uh, in the army to bring functional medicine and an awareness of like toxic exposures during deployments to the medical community in the military. And I, without further ado, (laughs) address you, Jeff Dardia. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Thanks for being back. Here we go again. Uh, A lot of
2: updates since the last time we talked, but uh, I'm going to start this right off the bat. I mean, look what special forces has trained us to do, right? What are we? besides problem solvers, what we do on conventional warfare, right? We're insurgents. Or so, insurgents. We know how to run an insurgency. We know how to recruit. We know how to persuade, change, and influence people. Uh, we know how to build a team. And we know how to coerce, disrupt, and overthrow, right? Uh, I'll follow that by we're not trying to overthrow the medical system in the military or the DOD. All we're trying to do is educate and empower people to take ownership of their health. Uh, there's a form of medicine for that called functional medicine, A lot of people get wrapped up with the term functional medicine. Yeah, a lot of people don't like it, Yeah, well, (laughs) they think it's an attack on what they learned in medical school. So it puts them in a corner. But it's not a new form of medicine. It's not something that, hey, everything I did in medical school, this is how it is, and everything else is quackery or voodoo and witchcraft. It's an operating system. So I'm going to use the analogy here with the military to help some of these people uh, get over this. So. We came in the army, we became soldiers, we signed the dotted line, we swore an oath to defend the Constitution. And we came in, we put a uniform on. At some point in our careers, we said, hey, I think I'm going to go to a different organization that thinks a little bit differently, but gets shit done, right? We can do a lot more with a lot less. That's functional medicine. We didn't take that uniform off. That oath didn't change. We still want to help people and do shit, but we're going to use a different operating system and think outside the box to get stuff done. That's what functional medicine is. It's an operating system. It looks at root cause dysfunction, like unconventional warfare looks at root cause of an insurgency or an uprising or something, right? So that's all it is. Uh, You're not learning anything new in medical school. You're just learning a different set of processes and systems to apply problem solving. Uh, Problem solving set. So looking at the environment, the lifestyle and genetics of people, you can see that all these problems come back to circumstances, conditions and influences, right? Operational environment. And that's all it is. It's that simple. Looking at, you know, what's in the body that doesn't belong, take away what's missing, right? And then balance. It's living that life of balance and getting into that environment so you're not surviving it but you're actually thriving and
1: fixing yourself and doing the maintenance we spend a lot of time here talking about like (laughs) preventative care like you know hey warming up and cooling down seems stupid but also it's amazing how much better everyone feels if they're doing these things before they're crushing themselves right and i think that there's a lot of people that listen to this podcast that have a lot of problems that they are aware of but they can't put their finger on and either they're too busy to go to the doctor or when they do go to the doctor, they don't know what to ask about. And we get a lot of emails from people that are like, hey, man, I listen to that, you know, Jeff Dardy, podcast and like what test do I ask for? And yeah. I'm like, it kind of depends. But that being said, like, you should go talk to someone who knows this really well. because I'm not a doctor. Right. Yeah. Um, when I went to Cleveland Clinic, I went with no knowledge about what I was getting into. They took 30 some odd vials of blood. And they made me take a bunch of tests at home that were, like, weird and, like, oddly specific in how I was supposed to pee in a bottle. And, uh, like, I walked away from that experience with a lot more knowledge about how my body was working. Um, The Cleveland Clinic, I don't think the way you guys were doing it with Task Force Dagger was sustainable for, like, a large... Subject. Yeah, absolutely. Audience, not. right? Like if we guys- don't
2: advertise it, we're not out there trying to tell everybody, "Hey, drop your doctor and go out to Cleveland Clinic." Uh, we're actually trying to get doctors within the system here, credentialed and certified in this, so we don't have to send people anywhere. We're trying to put ourselves out of a job. Same thing that an SF guy would do on a team or in an operational environment. That hey, man, we're not here for the long haul. We want to train
1: these guys so we can get the hell out. And you guys have a system for that now. Like yes. You guys are like, it is. This is. Like I was saying, like in twenty fifteen, like there right. was not really a system. No there was a lot of hope and you were like jousting windmills. Right. I and mean, it, it literally, so we, in my office where I work now, uh with
2: my coworkers, it's the joke. It's like You know, all these people are like, oh, Jeff's still trying to do these things. I was like, man, I've accomplished my mission. I am in literally the last phase of UW. I'm in transition. Uh, Now all I do is like advisory stuff. People, how do I get to these places or who do I talk to? What doctors in my system here at Fort Bragg can I use that understand this stuff and that can help me? Uh, it's just now it's just directing and advising, getting people to the right places and knowing how to communicate between, a, a you know, a person and a provider to build that relationship of trust. Uh, you have to have mutual trust. Uh, you know, our guys don't self-identify, so they're not going to go to the doctor and say, hey, man, yeah, my dick don't work. You know, like I want to kill myself. You know, they're not going to say these things. Uh, they're going to go in there and say, hey, I, I don't feel right. Can you help me? And that's a pretty broad question, right? Like, what's going on? Trying to coerce that information out of them to try to get to the root of what's going on. I mean, now at this point in time where enough people are educated, you don't have to look at a guy who's been in software for 18 years and say, what's wrong? It, Everything. You know, right. I mean, when a car goes <laughs> off a cliff and lands at the bottom, the mechanic's not going to go, what's wrong, right? <laughs> He's going to go, let's go look at this thing and see if it's salvageable, right? So when we look at our guys who've been breaching their entire career, breathing in toxic you know, inhalants, heavy metals, chemicals, been surrounded by radio frequency, RF, EMF, all these things, and then driving over IEDs and getting shot at and then not sleeping and chronic stress and all these things. It's not, hey, are you messed up? It's how bad, right? To what extent? Well, I'll, I'll keep going back to that. So it's not a shock when a guy comes into a doctor's office and says, I've got all these things going on. The doctor should be already thinking in his mind, I've already know what you've been through. Let's look at some things. Are there any other things that are out of the ordinary that we're seeing in this? Any other patterns of dysfunction that don't match the norm for what we're seeing, guys? Sleep disorders, you know, sexual dysfunction, uh, inflammation throughout the, you know, bowel issues, IBS, acid reflux. You know, I'll keep going with all these things, migraine, headaches, uh, heart problems, guys in their 20s and 30s getting pacemakers put in, guys coming back out of the continent having strokes and seizures. So these things aren't the norm you see in tactical athletes, right? You don't see Olympic athletes having all these problems, but you got guys 20s and 30s that are at that level and perform and are dedicated to that, having these issues that normally people see in their 60s and 70s, right?
1: Well, and soft guys are the canaries in the coal mine in this, too, because of, like, constant exposure and because of the, you know, the op tempo. Right. But I mean, I think that it's worth noting. We have a lot of people who listen to this podcast who are like first responders, cops, um, or just, you know, conventional soldiers who are still deploying. And a lot of the same things that are affecting us as soft guys are affecting them. Yes. And I think that like I'm glad you said that. So let
2: let me... Thank you. (laughs) So thank you for saying that. Absolutely. All these problems that we're talking about, these aren't unique to the military. If you look at other careers that do have the same type of chronic stress, abnormal sleep rhythms, uh, look at firemen and policemen, right? And first responders, what they see on a daily basis, every single day of their lives with kids getting mangled by dogs and lawnmowers, people stabbing and killing each other, you know, dying in the OR and the ER, that happens every single day. You know, we, we deploy, we go six months, we expect to see it there, we're trained to deal with this stuff, and then we come home and then we can shut it off for leave a little it bit. behind yeah leave it behind so think of that like we get to leave war behind and come home they don't get to leave it behind at all both my brothers are firemen i know the stuff they've seen and dealt with and you can't shut that off that's stuff that you can never pull out of your memory it's it's people in your community it's kids it's women it's you know it's loved ones that you see on a daily basis that these things are happening to think of how many police are you know responding to calls getting shot at stabbed you know seeing death people the worst of society has to offer they see it on a daily basis so all these things that we're seeing in the military we're seeing in the civilian sector as well the only thing that separates us from them is that we actually have more training to deal with this we're more resilient to stress
1: because we get stress inoculated well which is also bad for us right because we don't we don't know how to shut it off. Yeah, I mean, it's what we, we talked about. I don't know if you and I talked about it or not, but, like, seeing, oh, no, it was not. It was, um, oh, it's irrelevant who it was, but we were talking about heart rate variability and yes. how guys like us who are cortisol saturated yeah. who have, like, major stress hormone, like, issues oh, yeah. are way more resilient as with uh, heart rate variability that, is consistently low. Yes, absolutely. A lot of our guys perform better
2: under stress because we're conditioned to that environment. Our body works off cortisol now, not, not sex hormones and testosterone, right? So we get to that point where feeling like shit is the new norm right so you're like man you can keep me in this environment all day long it, it's nothing it's when we come out of that environment and try to go back to normal that we struggle so that that's what we see with the PTSD right people come out and they're like i'm not going to be that cool again it, it's not just a man i have this dream over and over again we get a lot of that PTSD confused of i'm not what i used to be right you know i'm i'm not in the battlefield i'm not in charge of this team I, you know, I'm not in charge of this operation. Now you come back home, you're in charge of a desk and you're on
1: outlook all day. Well, you're not getting rewarded right. with the same hormones either. Yes. Right. So like <laughs> your body stopped making the stuff that it normally makes. Yeah. And you, the thing that you replaced it with is now gone. Yeah. And it's like, huh, yeah. what's next? I'm I'm dragging a dead body. And that goes back to dopamine and
2: your brain, right? You, you've driven yourself to, you know, an adrenaline going 110 miles an hour in 110 different directions. And it's, you know, constant feedback from your environment. You're getting overstimulated. You get used to that, and you come back here, and you're meh, right? You're just like, hmm, okay, what am I going to do today? You know, and and what do we do to compensate
1: for that? Look at our lifestyles. That drink, (laughs) pussy, whatever. I mean, dude, I mean, if those things don't work, and it's like drugs, whatever, right? Yeah, people do whatever they can. I I would hate
2: to see some people's browser history, but (laughs) nothing's ever good enough, right? It's that constant overstimulation that we become used to. And the only thing that compensates for that is trying to find anything you can at home to self-medicate to get that feeling. I'm
1: assuming that people who are listening to this are saying, I don't have all those problems that Jeff (laughs) talks about. Awesome. What I will say is I was atypical when I went to Cleveland Clinic and I didn't think I had any problems. (laughs) I had foggy thoughts. Like you know what yeah. I mean? I was like, man, that like I literally was like, well, my test is probably just low, you know. Like I'm gonna go in, I'm gonna tell the doctor I feel this way, and I'm gonna get the doctor to give me a prescription for testosterone. I <laughs> am a tricky devil. Like that was literally. And my this whole is plan.
2: why all, it, disclaimer. This is why all the doctors hate the word testosterone because they just see our guys like, man, I want to get ripped and huge, and I just want to be better in the bedroom. But in reality, you know. I'll tell you honestly, that was like the biggest thing that made me go get help was the bedroom. I didn't give a crap about anything else. Uh, it was my performance at work, not being able to remember shit and getting shit done when you're supposed to in a garrison environment. And the other thing you do in the garrison environment, which so is finally the, the bedroom, right? Yep. That's all you care about is the alpha male that's driven by two things, right? And uh, it's all the F's the family's in there too, but <laughs> somewhere too, right? Somewhere <laughs> in there. That's how you get families, right? Yep. So, uh, so all those things are there, but you know, until it happens to you, you're, I'm fine. Right. Well,
1: and, I, and I, I literally thought I was fine. I yeah. went in and I, I said all the right things cause I'd talked to you <laughs> and you told me, you told me what I was supposed to say, which was the truth, right? It was like atypical stuff. Like I had lethargy. Um, you know, I wasn't motivated to do things in life, but I didn't have fat. I wasn't holding body fat. What was your have...
2: testosterone levels, by the way, before we go any further, 62. This. Okay. 62, just so you
1: know, all right. 62,
2: when you see that number, uh, that's usually like a flag for like testicular damage or a pituitary tumor, right? That's 62 is like, you need an MRI right now and to go get some further testing done. 62 is an, Oh, it's kind of below normal or it's you know slightly below average that is like catastrophic for an adult pipating male so usually when we see people that have testosterone levels that low that's usually like suicide ideation and people who are just like on the bottle a bottle of jack daniel night just to get by through life because it sucks so bad so that's not something that's like 301 302 you might be a little bit low you know that is catastrophic. So I'm putting that out there because there's a lot of doctors like now, like, oh, you're just trying to coach people how to get on testosterone. Well, when I talked to you, Doug, you had yeah. some other things going on in life that you probably weren't aware of because you just compensated for them and were getting by. But when you start to actually talk to people and get to know them and start getting the truth out, you can get a lot further in this than any doctor can ever Team guy to team guy, right? When I saw the number, right, I
1: knew something was wrong. Yes, <laughs> like, it's there like, you go. So that's the thing, right? It's like I went in there because I wanted to game the system, right? Because I was like, yes, your dog—that's what Doug does. Yeah, right. And that's what our SF guys do: game the system. I I saw a real number, and yeah. all of a sudden, like I didn't want. I was like, "Oh no, 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 never mind. I don't want <laughs> to be on testosterone. Yeah. Like, I want my shit to work, right?" Yes. And I started. That's talking the right to answer. The doctor and the doctors didn't care about my shit working. They care about the number. All they cared about was the number. Yep. So they're like, "Okay, hey, man, cool. We're just going to put you on testosterone." Right. And I was like, "But wait,
0: why is it this low?" Yeah. And no they one. They don't tell care me. about the why. They care about the what. That's well, and that's, it. that's that is almost like a religion in medicine. Yeah. That, that sort of seems like the the lines of demarcation are between the DOs and the MDs, and, right. and there's some others. But that's I can imagine you you get a huge amount of pushback because you're literally going against their belief system, medicine that they've been taught. I mean, they've been taught if someone comes in and they're feeling pain, you treat the pain, right? And if it's obvious that oh, the pain is caused because you broke your finger, or because you have a laceration, or because you have a some sort of orthopedic problem that they can see under a right. under a imaging. Oh, okay. Got it. But if it's pain that's you can't see under imaging, the next question isn't, well, what environmental factors could be possibly leading to that? Do we have, what do you do? Oh, you, you know, and I don't understand when it comes to military and when it comes to first responders, why environmental factors are so difficult for people to wrap their heads around in the medical field. 9-11 happened. All those people in New York, I don't getting, think that are cancer. getting
1: cancer. Yes, but they're, they're, we're not identifying that that nine eleven syndrome. Like it's what they're calling it nine eleven syndrome. Well, like they
2: got it Orson now. Syndrome. No, no, no. They, know yeah, they, yeah, got yeah. I mean, they got it now. Yeah, They got it now. They got registries and everything.
0: Yeah, there's a huge amount of money they that know goes exactly to those victims that are getting exactly stuff from that. Yeah, and. That happened because when you take a building down, you atomize all of the heavy metals that are in the phones and the computers and the asbestos and all that nasty stuff. Mm -hmm. Well, what does a military guy do? He drops two JDAMs on a building and then runs into it Uh and checks it out. Well, why is that any different than 9-11? The answer is it's not at all. But when you talk to the military and you say, yeah, you know, whatever's happened to those 9-11 guys,
2: that's me. What's What's the first off imperative?
0: Know your operational environment.
2: Understand the operation environment, right? Define it. Right. Yep. And then, okay. So we
1: do that because before were, we go in, run into that building, we should know what's in it, right? But you were doing that with individuals. When I like right. when I came around and yeah. became aware of this, it was a a a brother to brother connection. Yeah. Where you're like, Hey man, I think you have a real problem. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm good. But also like what can I do to be better? Right. And I didn't listen to you. I mean, I did, but I didn't because I went from my doctor to, I specifically asked for a referral to an endocrinologist because I was like, Hey man, like I want to get to the root of this. Jeff's still a quack, (laughs) but like he's, he's turned me on to something, but also like, I'm going to go to a real doctor. And I went to an endocrinologist and the endocrinologist wasn't willing to do any of the steps along the way to see what was wrong with my endocrine system. The doctor was like, your numbers are terribly low. Um, we're going to keep you on hormone therapy for the rest of your life, and I'm like, okay, I'm okay with that. But how did we get here? How, look
2: at the medical system. Do you think it's health driven or profit driven? Profit driven. Okay. okay, so what does a provider do to get the most turnover? One a day meds forever. Boom, there you go. So in and out, name it, blame it, tame it, bill it, refill it. Go right back to that.
0: Well, and it's but it's hilarious but that we, we have the doctors think that way or do you think they, they don't start that way no they don't start that way but they that's the way they're getting compensated and, and they get punished if they don't keep up opt- at their tempo up for wherever and, I mean, uh, obviously there's in, a positive feedback like are they believe they're treating people that way right well because people are finding relief in some instances right. but if a, if you walked in with a gargantuan nail in your toe and they were unwilling to look at it but you, they knew you had pain in your toe they're more incentivized to give you shoes that fit around the nail yeah. so it's no longer aggravated and pain medication and they charged it five grand for the shoes <laughs> and they get the pain medication forever. Yeah. But they could have just taken out the nail. But they're not even willing to
1: look that the to see if a nail is right. there. Which is the problem, right? I mean this is so again, like what I'm saying, like we've been doing this, y- you did this for years one on one. And dude, I mean you changed a lot of people's lives. Like when I talk to guys that went to the Cleveland clinic, um, I mean I mean pretty much universally all of us have had like come to Jesus moments there. I mean, where you can come to a doctor for for four years, five years. It's usually five years to get a
2: a proper diagnosis. Well to
1: have I've had with multi complex systems like this. Well, I mean I had five years of doctors telling me that I had a vitamin D deficiency, which was just like take more supplementation to the point where I was doing like, you know, what, thirty thousand IUs a day. Right. But I still had the same vitamin D deficiency. And even
2: now, there's still doctors that think vitamin D deficiency is nothing.
1: They think it's like no, they literally did yeah. that the whole time. They're like, it's yeah. not a big deal. Just take more supplements. Like they yeah. just blew it off. And then right. we real like you guys steered right. me the idea that like the heavy metal that's in my system is recognized it's, as right. calcium. The body stops producing what, vitamin D. The, so I, I I've
2: read medical literature. Right. I've studied all these things. I didn't just read it off Google. Actually, yeah, yeah. with books and metabolism, something I dove into huge, right? And what does every medical doctor have to learn sometime in their medical career? It's Krebs cycle, metabolic function, biochemistry, right? Everything that I have done and I've researched and I've looked at and I've, you know, worked right, it all comes back to metabolic function. And everything you put in your body affects metabolic function, right? Metabolism is by definition, the breakdown of chemicals to create energy. When you put things in your body, that don't work on those pathways to create energy, what do they do? They slow you down, right? Yeah. They slow down metabolic function. If you look at all the diseases that are out there, they're metabolic diseases, right? So think what what is what labels a carcinogen a carcinogen? What makes it a carcinogen? It damages DNA, causes DNA disrepair, mitochondrial dysfunction, oxidative stress. Everything goes back to those pathways, whether it's inflammation, chronic inflammation, necrosis, apoptosis. Those processes and pathways start, and then they get disrupted somewhere, or they get you know damaged, and then all those things break down. That's disease. That's what disease is. So if we look around our environment and you see those things that we're putting in our body, there's over 80,000 man-made chemicals in the environment now they affect metabolism mm.
1: they affect I gotta, I gotta development dip in and i'm drinking bang
0: <laughs> well, so his I Jeff I see a McDonald's cup over there too. <laughs> we just we just don't we've gotten very sophisticated in treating like large scale issues that we can identify. Yeah. Like you need a new heart, I can cut your heart we're out. We're the best at that. And I could put in a new yes. heart. If you need a new liver, I can do that. If you right. have some crazy spinal thing, we can do that. Right. And we very much understand viruses right. and bacteria, foreign entities, can come yes. into your body and disrupt your body's yeah. body's functions. What we but then past that we're like well, but also the stuff that you can buy at Walmart is is uh, that's fine, that's right. fine, that's totally fine. That absolutely could not be affecting the way a virus or a bacteria could. Well, what's the difference? Well, these so self replicate; they're living things. Yeah, yeah, but 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 this stuff is making me feel really really bad. What about this food I'm eating? No, no, no that's fine. That's How many fine.
2: people eat something, man? I feel like shit. Oh, dude! Every right? time I eat carbs, fuck you. Oh, okay, <laughs> so right, so what? Are you, what's that? What's your body telling you right there? It's slowing metabolic function. There's something your body's not processing that every time you put that in, you feel like shit. Eat crap, feel like crap. It's that simple. Not everybody can eat the same things and feel the same way. Everybody's... Body in uh, chemistry is unique to them. So when when you do something, your body doesn't like it. Lets you know immediately. Sometimes not immediately over a couple course of a couple weeks till things build up. But it is letting you know if you're in tune with that. If you speak that language, you can see the signs. The indicators are there, right? It's like doing intel work. When the indicators are in the environment, you know something's going to happen. Yep. If you pay attention to those things over your lifespan, like man, every time I I drink beer, I get the shits. Well, there's things in there called Gluten and hops and all these things that your body doesn't like grains and is allergic to, it'll give you the shits. It'll make you bloat right after you drink it. Your body's telling you that this is not okay. Well, I drank a cider. It's gluten-free. I don't bloat. I don't get the shits after I drink it. It's letting you know. So why do we learn foreign language and soft? So we can be more in tune to our environment of what's going on. We can build credibility, all those things, Right go back to everything we learned as soft operators and apply it to medicine. And that is root cause dysfunction medicine. That's functional medicine, right? So all we did was take new tools and educate people how to be more in tune to what's going on in their environment and their lifestyles.
1: You did it one-on-one and it worked for us. Now you're like kind of doing, I mean, this thing grew bigger than you pretty fast and I don't, In some ways, I don't think that, like, you didn't start the fire at, like, the top. But what I'm seeing, what was really crazy is, like, you were trying to put traction to this at a unit level for, I mean, what, the last decade? And I learned that was the biggest mistake ever. Well, I mean. Middle level is the worst way to go. So that's why we learned (laughs) Some people listen to you. I mean, like, I don't think, in general, you have a good reputation, man. Like, people think that you know what you're talking about. I think that there's a lot of people out there still who are like, oh, man, Jeff's saying it's, some quack stuff, right? It's now, it's not even, it's not the quack stuff anymore. So what I run into
2: roadblocks is, is that he's out of his lane. Yep. Right. Well, so, you're not a, you're not a Delta. You're not right. a doctor. Like <laughs> a lot of misconception too. Cause I'll give you, this is a real life scenario that happened to me over this last couple of weeks. Um, I, my door at work is like a revolving, like people come in every week. Hey, I heard you help so-and-so. Can you get me some help? Half of them are people I send to you. <laughs> well, Sorry. <laughs> so not even that, like phone calls, emails. I, hey, I read the army, the army times, New York times articles, heard the podcast. I have all the same shit. Can you help me out? And I'm going to tell you right now, the first thing I always ask them is that, do you have an advocate or do you, do you have a warrior care advocate? Who is your PCM? Right. I don't go say, I'm going to rip you out of this system and send you straight to the Cleveland Clinic. I don't do that. The first thing I do is try to use the existing systems and resources in place for them right there.
1: Uh, have, fundamental, a core principle of UW.
2: There you go. Right there. Right. <laughs> so use everything that's available. I don't want to buy the more crap I have to do outside of my daily job. It wears me the hell down. Right. So there's a system in place. Go to your care coalition advocate. Go talk how to them. People,
1: how do people find a care coalition advocate? So usually, no one goes
2: to the website. It's usually someone they know, right? This and this is the SOCOM care coalition. Yes. right? Warrior, so it's a, actually
1: Warrior Care Program now. Formerly okay. SOCOM and care this coalition is a program that exists at SOCOM that is right. funded that is available for like anybody in SOCOM. It's funded by Congress, okay. so its direct purpose is to you know provide that.
2: You know, I'll go to preservation of the force and family, but provide a service that's a fill the gaps program that provides advocacy for people suffering through either wounded, ill or injured that are have multi, you know, multifaceted problems that are complex. That is not your run of the mill case that doesn't need an advocate or nurse case manager. Right. So like we're talking now, now we're talking
1: Department of the Army. Like Preservation of the Force and Family. SOCOM. It, but, okay. Yeah. And so d- does the POTIF exist for conventional people as well? No. We, so okay. with SOCOM.
2: So anyone under SOCOM, their family members and everything. Obviously, okay. the F in there is one yep. of the families, right? But these are to optimize. And not only – these aren't for people who just, hey, I got banged up. I'm getting out of the Army. The goal of this is to keep people healthy longer and stay in. And then, hey, if you can't stay in – We got to transition you out, but we're going to give you the best shot possible and give you everything you need on the way out the door and then keep some continuity after you're out. Right. So these programs are incredible. Like I'll go back to this is that if the military was fulfilling all needs and doing its job, we wouldn't have programs like this. Right. So if SOCOM, all these programs were doing all of their jobs, we wouldn't have thousands of 501C3s that were filling more gaps. Tertiary programs. Right. Because one, it's just people get they get flooded in these programs. Each I, every advocate I know has got like 50 people in their caseload. Right. So imagine one guy managing the the health and recovery of 50 other people. Right. Yeah. That's unsustainable. So what we have to do is try to lessen that caseload by teaching people how to do a lot of these things themselves and advocate for themselves, right? So I, I was an 18 Bravo when I became a recovery care coordinator. I knew nothing about any of this stuff. I just applied everything I knew as a Green Beret and then went and got certified by SOCOM to become an advocate. I was like, everyone should have this knowledge. Why should it just be a retired sergeant major getting paid sixty to $90,000 a year in a desk? Someone at the unit should be able to do this in a green suit that doesn't require a budget from Congress, Why can't we have advocates within our own units who know this stuff and can get people
0: help? Why isn't it Ever18Delta certified?
2: It's working on that, actually, working (laughs) on a credentialing (laughs) pathway. So, yes, absolutely. So that's, I'll I'll go back. uh, Doug was saying something about where is this gone now, right? So, I mean, it's huge now. Yeah, the functional medicine operating system uh, is being taught now at Walt. It, not taught at Walter Reed, but it's based at a Walter Reed Defense Health Agency initiative. Pays for 22 providers to get credentialed in functional medicine every year. We've got over 55 now within the DHA uh, umbrella. Right, so 55 providers that are going to go trickle out and plant seeds in all these different military installations that can bring. They don't have to call it functional medicine. They can call it, you know, Big Doug's frigging holistic healthcare, Yes, but they have a new lens to look at healthcare, right? They're going to see the environment and the lifestyle and the genetics. And then when all these patients come in, they're going to work as a care team, shared medical appointments like a NICO or a prep program, right? Where you come in as a group, you get nutrition consultation, you know, you get lifestyle, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy, you get all your stuff, all your biomarkers looked at. The, the, the military has what's called move to health. And then the VA has Whole Health Initiative. They're all trying to do functional medicine, but they're not calling it functional medicine. It's holistic health It's patient-oriented medicine, right? That's all it is. So anyone who's got gripes about the term functional medicine, they're just – it's egos involved. That's all it is. It's not because of this is quackery voodoo. It doesn't mean anything. It's because they think they're putting a bad light on regular providers that don't have this credentialing. And that's got to go away. Call it whatever you want. The Institute for Functional Medicine that does the credentialing will give the military all of their intellectual property of how to do this stuff at no cost. Take it. Call it whatever you want. Are the
1: tests expensive? Like, I mean, is there a hang up institutionally and why we're not giving all these guys, you know, like heavy metal testing and stuff like that? I mean, it's not part of our regular checkups.
0: Yeah. Why isn't this stuff like it seems to me like I I asked some long time ago. A uh, person that was at a SRP, a Soldier Readiness right. uh, Center, how many people they had seen that had been tested positive for HIV?
2: We talked about this last time. Yeah. Yep. And, yep.
0: and she said none, zero. Yeah. Um, but yet they spend, they pay a phlebotomist, they pay a, an army of them to take that blood and send it in yeah. for a non issue in the military. And yep. it's not just that it's something that's now curable, yeah. essentially. Yeah. So it's not an epidemic. Why isn't they taking seven more vials of blood for? lead heavy metal toxicity and maybe even talk about it like an impact test where it's like here's your baseline before you deploy we're going to get this stuff on your post deployment
2: it's all coming now so that's all coming um i sit on a bunch of advisory panels uh for toxic exposures and that's it's going to be sop now that you get tested coming coming out of theater for all these things uh being in places there's bills that have been passed that are going forward for presumption being around burn pits Uh, I'm trying to push for not just burn pits, but air pollution as well. Which is,
1: I mean, a huge indicator, right? Yeah. Right. I'm going
0: going to Niger in two months, and I'm going to be like literally 150 yards away from an open pit uranium mine for six months. (laughs) I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, uh, right.
2: Get the memos because there's a lot of people come back with weird cancers from that place. Um, The other thing, too, is that... If you go to places like that, the entire city's a burn pit. Yep. They don't have waste management. So they open burn all their waste every morning and every night.
1: And even civilized places in the developing world that seem... Uh, India? Yeah. It would, I mean, <laughs> New Delhi's got China, the worst air in the world. China. Yeah. I mean, dude, go to... Well, I lived in one of the nicest neighborhoods in Rabat, Morocco, like the, yeah. the diplomatic capital of Morocco, which is a very avant-garde, French-influenced yeah. country in Africa. And, like, next door to my luxurious Riyadh was an empty lot that was a dump for yeah. the neighborhood. It Absolutely. was just full. And they would pay guys from the neighborhood who didn't have jobs to go in there and burn yeah. the trash, you know, one stack at a time. And yeah. you're like, this is a nice neighborhood. And people are paying a lot of money to live here. And every morning when I wake up, I'm like, ah, burning trash. Burning trash, burning lungs, burning sinuses, headaches. Yeah, that,
2: we're seeing that coming back. A lot of guys are having uh, upper respiratory problems, right? They're coming back with hypopnea. They get wheezing on exhale. They lost two minutes off their run time, and they'll run – the gamut of tests on them for pulmonary function all comes back normal, right? Well, none of these tests can show scar tissue in the lungs. Uh, they don't show narrowing of the airways in the upper airway, the the upper a- respiratory the system. The avioli or the whatever avioli, The uh the, you know, looking through, the, actually going down all the way through the esophagus into the stomach, they, I actually have it. So I just got scope for it and like, yeah, you got scar tissue in there. It's narrowing up. It's know. like a lifetime smoker type thing, right? Toxic inhalation. As yep. soon as that stuff hits you, you, your body reacts to it, right? But how
0: do you, like, Obviously, recognizing that this has occurred right. and treating it on the back end is one thing, but like, right. what what do you do to prevent that? When I go to Uranium USA, yeah, like what do I do? I, Pack some of, iodine in, in your kit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, short of wearing a respirator all the time, like, what, yeah. how do you manage it? So the water.
2: It, think of everything that's coming out of these mines, right? It's air, it's water, it's dust. You're gonna have to do everything you can to protect the things that allow that stuff into your body. So your orifices, right? So your nose, your mouth, your ears, your eyes, whatever you can, just, you're going to have to build your body, build a force field on you that bounces this off. Anyone that works around nuclear reactors, they have to take certain supplements, right? To help them prevent cancer. I would go talk to the person that works on a nuclear sub that has to take some of these supplements that works around a reactor every day, see what they do to protect themselves. But um, there's no getting around. We know it. Like I wouldn't change my career. I know I have to go in these environments. Right. But give me a fighting chance. Like in Africa, I was trying to find masks there. All they had was a little like home Depot mask. And you could see the people that actually knew, <laughs> you can tell the ones that were really educated in medicine all had like the high quality masks on. Yeah, yeah, And I was like, damn, I need one of these things. But I, every day I could feel it. When I came home, I started, I was gaining weight. I couldn't breathe. My heart was doing crazy things. I've never had sleep apnea before, which I still don't now. Really, it's I have hypopnea. I have inflammation in my lungs. My lungs weren't getting enough turnover or air. So every time I was laying on my back trying to breathe, it felt like there was an elephant standing on my chest. And when they put a CPAP on me, it felt like I was drowning because I couldn't get turnover. They were just forcing air in that couldn't be converted into oxygen. So I got tested again. They're like, "Yeah, you don't have obstruction." You. You're not converting air enough. You know, your lungs were inflamed. So the inflammation went down my lungs. My sleep got better again. So um, these things are there. It's part of the environment. If you go to the World Health Organization website and look at air pollution, they say 7 to 9 million premature deaths a year from air pollution, right? So imagine Soleimani, Salami over there that, hey, man, I killed 600 Americans. Well, air pollution killed almost 9 million, right? Do we did he do we do that much operation and attention in the media to air pollution? Yeah, but no. I can't
1: send a tomahawk missile to kill air pollution. Right,
2: <laughs> but I can tell you what: someone needs to go over to India and China and Africa and clean them up. Right, I, I, I'm I'm supposed to be the the hating military guy, but you know I don't want dirty water. I surf, I bike, I love nature. I want clean air. We have to have some common sense here, and we we start we got to start reprioritizing things in our life because. I can tell you what the things we're dying for, uh, dying from, not for, I'm kind of a Freudian slip there, but it's not combat. It's not terrorism. We're dying from a polluted environment. It's neurodegeneration, diabetes, you know, cancer, heart disease. All these things are coming from the environment. They're not coming from cruise missiles. They're not coming from ICBMs, right? They're not coming from 556 and 762 it's shit we're breathing in and drinking in our environment and stress in our lifestyle that's killing us and if you can understand that and everyone does their part we can have an impact but it it's always it's not doesn't affect me not my backyard but when you see it around the globe anyone who's been overseas to asia you know especially like india uh philippines pakistan afghanistan i'll just say all the stands right and then Africa, you can see that there's oceans uh, of like bottles and plastic that you could walk across on bodies of water. It's disgusting. And where do you think that stuff goes? That goes into children that are developing. I- anyone wants to see any weird oddities, go to India and look at kids with like three arms and three legs that look like spiders. Go on YouTube and look it up. It's very unique to you- India, right? I don't see this in America, but the most polluted places in the world, have the weirdest shit you ever see for birth defects and diseases. So it's, it goes right back to the environment.
0: Yeah. Well, it's, 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 it's easy to see the birth defects and people are like, well, this is obviously affecting there
2: too, but (laughs) well, sure. But this is
0: obviously affecting the children. Yes. But the adults, they're fully formed. Yeah. This can't be affecting exactly.
2: And so I'm glad you said that too. So everyone always like all those millennials are freaking idiots, right? They're stupid. I was like, who do hell do you think their parents were? Us? Right. So if these kids are growing up like this, it goes back to who's raising them, who's teaching them this shit. Right. Sure. So we're going to blame the millennials for being millennials. No, look in the fucking mirror. Right. This is who we should be looking at. It's the same thing. Every year we get people that are sicker and sicker. As we evolve as a society, life expectancy is declining in the United States. Right. Why? Because just because we have technology doesn't mean we know shit about health. And if you go back to the environment, which I'll hammer on over and over again, when people have the chemical cocktail in the umbilical cord and that's going straight to the little little guy developing in there, they're gonna have problems, right? When their immune systems are hammered down from massive amounts of antibiotics and antimicrobials and all these things we're putting in our bodies, on our bodies and our laundry detergents, our, you know, soaps hair, hygiene products, whatever it is, it's a chemical cocktail. So when we're wondering why, I think it's one in 38 African-American boys is autistic. uh, Take a look around what's going on, right? Is this a mystery? No. Do we have definitive placebo randomized studies that are saying it's exactly that? No, but common sense would tell me that it's from what we're putting on us and in us, right? Sure. So,
0: well, it takes it. it, the, The established... You know, it's just really hard to do to ethically do studies on people. Yeah, you know, and oddly I just,
1: there's a there's quite a large. Uh, we're body. working that oh, organization.
0: There's a lot. <laughs>
1: there's a large body of of uh, readily available patients in yeah. the military. Well, but <laughs> the problem is, is still you
0: have to you have to rely on a lot of self-reporting, right? Things historically very inaccurate yeah. hey how many every one of us has taken a pre-deployment health survey how right. many drinks of alcohol do you drink no one's going to answer that honestly everyone you know because institutionalized you know, alcohol you know be
1: stigmatized
0: bro it, but the same thing yeah. with what shampoo do you use do you right. use this or Faliates. no uh, yeah. yeah i use the good stuff um so it's really hard to narrow down these no, it's it's over factors. you're over
2: you're bombarded overexposed it's uh, luckily, the science—it's it's becoming more mainstream now. Now it's not like oh, you but, know, hey, here's you're just the some hippie here's the
1: crying thing. about the environment. Whether you're in Niger or Afghanistan or Iraq or hometown USA, like we're just saying, like right, you are bombarded with chemicals, yeah, everywhere. And as long as you ignore it, you never know it's a problem. You will literally live your That's life. Everything in life, from whether you die at eight. <laughs> Or a hundred and eight. Yeah, you don't give a fuck what's in yeah. your body as long as your body's still working. Right. However, the functional medicine aspect that we're talking about alerts you yes. to what is in your body, and it makes you cognizant of the things that you're putting yeah. in your body, and helps you take steps to not keep the like to to make different choices yeah. i guess is the way to put it right just,
2: or just do the maintenance all you can do is do your part right do everything you can every day to minimize it yeah you can't get away from it it's impossible
0: well maintenance is a fantastic term for it right yeah. i mean most most of the maintenance quote unquote that people yeah. are familiar with is diet and exercise yeah and that's what they're they're Doctors tell them. Which does oh, help. Oh, you know what? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and a little bit of recovery. Yep. Diet and exercise, absolutely. Yeah. And now it's starting to become on board that, you know what, you should probably also be getting eight hours of sleep. Yeah. You know, we said that for a long time, but people blew it off, and now we realize that you're literally killing your brain when you're awake, and the only time you can repair those things is yeah. when you're asleep. And if you're not sleeping enough, you're giving yourself brain damage in a non-recoverable yeah. way. Study just came day.
2: out this week, right? Just published this week, showing that one missed night of sleep increases tau protein in your in your blood, right? So everyone knows that tau protein is related to what besides Alzheimer's, CTE, right? So we're yeah. talking one night of sleep raises those biomarkers up enough to be pretty clinically significant to say, hey, imagine three nights a week, four nights a week. How about a couple months? How about a couple of years? Yep. So that's, that's there. Your brain's lymphatic system, it cleans at night when you're in, when you're sleeping. So a person who doesn't sleep, their brain's going to be packed full of toxins, right? Yeah. So we already know this, this is in the literature right now. This is, this is not speculation. Uh, you know, Nat's ass detail mechanisms aren't fully there yet, but they know that the brain does not clean itself when you don't sleep. So, A brain building up full of toxins causes brain damage, right? Neurodegeneration. What are the biggest exploding conditions we're seeing in medical literature right now? Neurodegenerative diseases, right? Alzheimer's is set to bankrupt the United States, you know, within 10 years because of what's going on with people's brains. Suicide epidemic going through the roof, right? We saw since 2003 in the military, insomnia is up 650%. Six hundred fifty percent. And there's some that. of the
1: problem too, man. I mean, when we, when when I went to the Cleveland Clinic right. and I started paying attention, dude. I mean, I just started taking some vitamins, right? Really and truthfully, like I, I changed. And look at you now. Well, I'm, yeah, <laughs> I'm way better. I mean, I am way better. Well, look I, what you're doing, like yeah, where
2: you're at and what you're doing. So. I
1: still have a lot of, you know, like I still I'm aware when things are becoming more problematic. You know what I mean? Yeah. I. But I'm much more conscious about taking steps to, yeah. like, address things as they become a problem. Yeah. Um, but what I think is really interesting in all of that is, like, the one thing that I really changed in 2014, above anything else, um, 2015, moving forward, was sleep. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I would have told you, like, fuck sleep. I can Scratch. Sleep, yeah, I'm, I can sleep when I'm dead. <laughs> I had just come off the heels of a deployment where I slept maybe an hour a night yeah. for, like... Thirteen months, yeah, and like if I wasn't, if I if I wasn't working, I was probably drinking or socializing or trying to forget about all the problems that were in my life <laughs> that were created by the fact that I wasn't sleeping. Yep. and you talk to guys, and guys are like, "Well, I can't sleep. I live off three hours a night." Or you know, like
0: I wear it as a badge of honor.
1: Yeah, no, I, yeah. I sleep for two hours and then I wake up and I do something and then I go and I sleep for another two hours and then I go back and I do my work. And you're like, "Hey, man, like, okay." it's a, it's a wag the dog type thing, right? Where they're like, I can't sleep. So I don't sleep. And you're like, no, man, like you got it. You got to clean up your sleep hygiene. Yeah, You got to force yourself to start sleeping. And when you start getting eight hours a night, it's amazing how much yeah. everything else starts to fall in the line. Absolutely. I'll, I'll go back to that. So I'm going to talk about
2: TBI and sleep, right? So research has shown that people with traumatic brain injury are nine times more likely to kill themselves, right? It has also shown that people with insomnia are twice as likely to kill themselves. So imagine having brain injury and insomnia. think your risk of suicide probably increased a little bit, right? Do you think we have a suicide problem? Now, we talked about the body cleaning toxins out as well, right? So disrepair, going back to all those problems, right? Sleep apnea, insomnia, we have heart disease, cancer, suicide. think all these things are probably linked together, right? A little bit of disrepair. I like to use the all the Star Wars fans out there, right? Think of the Death Star. You have this impenetrable sphere, right, hanging out in space with the most powerful weapon inside. It's us, right? That's what we're supposed to be. And all of a sudden, to get inside that thing and do some damage, we got to get through that force field, your immune system. So what do we do? We go find a vulnerability in that thing. We take it out down a little Ewokville, right? All of a sudden, you get a little crack in that force field. All those things from your environment start flooding in, and all of a sudden those fires start burning inside. Right? Those that, those are all the diseases you start seeing. Right? That's the metab- the insulin resistance, that's diabetes. You know, and then you start seeing the heart disease, the blood pressure, all those things, the metabolic syndrome. Right? Those are the little little guys firing at the, the surface of this Death Star. Next thing you know, they go down in that little coolant shaft, right? And then, wham, they hit one big exposure gets in there, and then all of a sudden you got the cancer. Right, and that Death Star starts burning out and crumbling apart, and it's time to get the hell out. That's what happens with us. As you get older, that immune system gets weaker. You go into certain environments where that stuff used to bounce off you like nothing. All of a sudden, you're not sleeping anymore. That force field's really coming down. That nutrition's lacking, it's really coming down even more. All of a sudden, you get those catastrophic illnesses that normally you wouldn't get. It's that simple. And if we can get that shield and keep it strong when we go in those environments, by sleeping, by eating properly, by not voluntarily putting carcinogen in your body when you shouldn't be. Alcohol, tobacco, processed foods, Shut right? up, shut up, See? shut up. So those are those <laughs> things. I use
0: Purell every day, thank right? you very much. So, safe.
2: so think about that for a second, right? Think about what every person puts in their body on a daily basis. Like... They're carcinogens, right? Alcohol is a group one human carcinogen. Tobacco, group one human carcinogen. You hate bacon too. No, I like unprocessed without nitrate. (laughs) But uh, so no, grass-fed steak, I'll eat the crap out of it every day. But you gotta do the main, you gotta be smart about what you're doing to your body. I I put a post up the other day that I always tell people is like, man, I can't afford to eat good food. I'm like, you drive a $60,000 F-250, right? Fully blinged out. I said, you live in a $350,000 house, fully blinged out, and you probably spend $1,500 a month at a bar, you know, woo, yoloing it up. But I'm like, when you got to go spend $300 on some food and a couple supplements, it's a big deal. I said, you can buy a new truck any day you want and trade it in. You can buy a new house any day you want and get another one and rebuild it. I said, the thing you were born with, that's the only one you're ever getting. So go ahead and think it's a rental car. Everyone laughs until they're in the hospital with the cancer, with the heart disease, with the seizures. It's It's too too late late. then, man. But but it happened to me. I was that guy. So that's why I tell you, I was in the hospital and I, you know, I thought I was dying and I was like, man, I'm way too young for this. Uh, My brother, like I said, my brother's a fireman. Uh, Within the last few months, guys in their 40s and 50s, all cancer and heart disease. Like these are people that were, you know, happy-go-lucky, jolly, awesome people living the best life. But all of a sudden, they're gone, 40s and 50s years old, right? And you're like, why does this keep happening? Every The fire community is waking up. The police community, they're all waking up now. They're seeing it. They're like, holy God. Literally, when one of our buddies dies from cancer and heart disease, what's the first thing we go do? We go to a funeral full of alcohol and all the other carcinogens, and we find, that's all we do. It's drinking and funerals, right? Yeah. I mean, they're fun, but... <laughs> Holy shit, we might not want to be putting these things together if it's literally putting our buddies in the grave, right? Yep. Go back to our community in the military. I, I, I'm i tired of seeing motorcycle runs and poker runs for all these dudes that killed themselves. And then they, what does everybody go do when these dudes kill themselves? They all go get shit faced and get on their motorcycles. And one of them gets killed riding their motorcycle from being shit faced. It's part of the problem, right? I don't want to be the fun police. I, I can drink. I'll drink, you know, once a month, maybe now, if that. I'd rather go out and do shit in nature, mountain bike, surf, ski, do something else, the bedroom, which alcohol doesn't really help with that, but there's better shit to do with your life than piss it down the toilet, literally. Like, I love booze just as much as the other guy, but I, I'm smart enough to know now in my 40s that, hey, I probably shouldn't be doing this every single day, right? Oh, yeah, for I mean, sure. If, if you're suicidal and that's what you want to do and that's your path to get there, go for it but i'm telling you right now it's the family feels the effects of it you feel the effect of it your wallet feels the effect of it and then the hospital bed feels you in it right so come on man like you know when i grew up i was the most anti-weed guy out there right i was like a bunch of stinky hippies patchouli people but i look back at it now and i'm like that's probably the most least harmful thing we ever put people put in their bodies and alcohol sanctioned and tobacco saying you buy it at a drugstore you know like, a place oh. that's supposed to be the pillar of health that used to have cigarettes. If, so. you,
0: if you showed up with a bottle of whiskey, a pack of cigarettes, and a joint, yeah. and someone had no idea what any of those things were, there was no social stigma, yeah. and you asked them to rank them, you're allowed to make one of these legal. <laughs> Which yeah. one would be legal? It'd be, it'd be pot every day every yeah. day of the yes, week. Well, if absolutely. People, if people
1: had any idea.
2: The yeah. one that has the most medicinal properties of any other substance that's hey guys, people use recreationally.
1: It's a gateway drug. And... The second no, that you touch the devil's gateway you, you <laughs> touch the devil's lettuce, and then you're gonna do yeah. heroin, and then you're gonna rob a liquor store. Oh wait,
2: wait. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure was it was that alcohol kills eighty eight thousand people in the United States every year. Sure. And yeah. what about cigarettes? Cigarettes, aha uh-huh. that's way well, up there. Yeah, I think it's, it's like three hundred forty-eight thousand. And pot
0: is zero. Is it coming or one?
2: Uh, if zero. It's, if, if it's well, if I, I looked at the CDC, I couldn't even find stats on it. But there was no like the only usually people LD50 die from-, from pot is because they they it's edibles and then they something happens that they put other stuff in their body after because with edibles people like oh this doesn't work you know, thirty minutes nothing I'm going to eat the whole thing.
0: The lethal dose, I read it a long time ago, but yeah. the lethal dose of pot <laughs> is higher than the lethal dose of oranges. <laughs> so like there you, you go. You'd have to, you have to right. eat less oranges. Uh, regardless yeah. of our
1: libertarian feelings on marijuana, um, yeah. it would, it. needless to say, is, is a poor talking point, aside from the fact that it, is, it highlights the incongruity of legalization yeah. and, and medical
0: care. But well, to, so me, it, to me... Marijuana is emblematic of the backwardsness of the whole system. Yeah. Which is to say, like we know these things are very bad, but we're not willing
1: to address it. Well, what is what do we tie to almost every mass shooting at this point? The gun. Uh, It's the gun's fault. The gun shoots itself. (laughs) I'm not even trying to make that (laughs) logic, but just when you look at mental health. Yeah. See people say mental health, right? Oh, mental health's a problem, right? Well, oddly enough, it's the NRA. SSRIs are almost universally present. In a lot of these mass shootings, absolutely. But guess what happened? The drug companies lobbied so you can't
2: look at medical records and release that information. So I'll which is go, okay, but yeah.
1: I mean, I, I'm not t- trying to say HIPAA should go away. Right. I am saying though that like if SSRIs, are, if depression is the problem, if right. mental health is the problem, if SSRIs combined with people's like people have people who are given SSRIs clearly have an issue that they're trying to address. Yes, and. They're trying to address it on their own. And a lot of the time, that also involves like co consumption of alcohol or, you know, a lot of like bad life situations that sleep, make them sleep. Sleep meds. Yeah, sleep deprivation or sleep meds. Being that on YouTube are, all day in their parents' basement. Well, <laughs> like, dude, sleep deprivation. It, I mean, whether you're sleeping or not, if you're taking sleep meds to sleep, you're not getting quality sleep. Right. You could sleep 12 hours a day. It's like alcohol. On Lunesta Maybe. or Ambien, and you're not getting restful sleep. Yeah. Um, it's the same thing. It as makes you fall asleep. It's a sleep assistant. It helps you get asleep, but it per- actually prevents you from deep sleeping. Well, and you're not getting quality uh, I mean, here. Restorative gonna, sleep. I'll be, I'll be the bearer <laughs> of other bad news. If you're using weed to go to sleep, you're yeah. also not getting quality sleep right. because it's interfering with your body's actual ability to you know enter what dream state sleep. You know the stage of REM stage yeah. sleep. So like you're sitting there. I mean, th- if you're medicating to sleep. Right. You need to be thinking about cleaning up. Sleep hygiene. Yeah, your, your sleep hygiene. Absolutely. Like We can go, um, love that. Like So sleep hygiene, right?
2: So what does everybody always do in our community? Uh, the only way I can get to bed is drinking, right? So when uh, I had a buddy of mine speaking of heart rate variability to show not just what it does to prevent sleep, but how much stress it puts the body under when you think you're sleeping. So if anyone out there has a Whoop or has a Garmin, Phoenix, whatever, any type of heart rate monitor – Uh, Do a little experiment. I'm not telling you to go drink, but if you are drinking, look at your heart rate variability compared to like a normal day with absolutely no drinking or just, you know, compared drinking to running a 10K. I'm going to show you that your drinking before bed has more damage to your heart
1: and heart rate variability than running 10 kilometers. It reduced my quality of sleep by 30 to 40%. (laughs) Yes. When I was like, and, and, (laughs) and. There and are that wasn't of, a
0: lot of booze. No. You're talking about, like, two beers. One
1: or two drinks. One or two drinks we would yeah. destroy
2: my sleep. And not even alcohol. Eating before bed can I cu- do the same thing. I not just alcohol. Drinking. Sugar.
1: Booze. Like, I mean, I will socially drink some now. Like, one mm. or two, maybe three drinks if it's, like, a long yeah. party or something. But, like, I know it's going to fuck up my sleep. Right. And if I'm just sitting around now, like, if <laughs> within three or four hours of bed, I don't mm. want to drink. Because I know, like, I mean, it jacks with my sleep, I sweat, like, you know, okay, maybe I went to bed easily, but I guarantee you, like, I will wake up way less rested. And if you look at the, like, my Whoop, when I used to wear that, or my Apple Watch, you can see where, like, okay, you went to sleep, but the Whoop is registering heart rate activity (laughs) that is, like, super erratic. It looks like someone's got a gun to your head. Yeah, during four or five hours, like, you're sleeping at, at, you know, at 100 beats per minute. Yep. And then you know, then when the alcohol kind of wears off, yep. you're seeing a real heavy flicker around seventy, sixty or seventy. That is you waking up continually yeah. throughout that, and then at like so four the next in the morning, day and a half, you're still yeah in a we're still processing state. out, yeah. and your body's recovering. Yeah, and so when guys, I mean, when guys tell me that, I'm always like, man, <laughs> indicator of a big problem yeah. is the fact that you think that that's what you need to do to get to sleep, and right. you got to. You're doing three times more damage. But it's like getting the test done, saying what's in my body that's causing me to feel bad. Right? People need to be tracking their sleep somehow. The, the Uber ring, uh, Apple Watch is a bad indicator. You get ready band is the one yeah. we're using at work. Any, any well, sort of sleep monitor. Yeah. Is a good indication for you. Uh, it'll let you know You're something like, that's measurable, right? These
0: are lifelong habits yeah. that, unless the, that, are very, very, very difficult for people to develop right. as adults. Yes, you know, and the we our parents didn't teach us. They may have taught us how to brush our teeth, right? And that's about the end of it. Yeah, it's like the. My parents didn't teach me anything about nutrition. You know, the food Eat everything
2: on your plate. That was your nutrition class. And the
0: food pyramid was totally (laughs) fucked up. Upside down. Thankfully, Canada just released that new food plate that, you know, it's it's an image of what your plate should look like. And it's about 70% leafy green vegetables and a little bit of meat and a little bit of carbohydrates. Because it's visually representative of what your plate should look like. I thought I should be loading up my plate with bread. And carbs. Yeah. When I was in high school, you know, that's what the pyramid said. I'm trying to do the right <laughs> thing, but as we move into teaching our children sleep hygiene yeah. and all this sort, of, you know, all the maintenance stuff you're talking about, right. and like what's really important. Yeah. But most people just don't even know.
2: Couple it. rules. Right? I go to sleep hygiene. Couple rules right here. Right. Stop eating three hours before bed. Right. No blue light in the face two hours before bed. Put the screens away. Don't put any chemicals in your body that disrupts sleep. So that would be alcohol being one of them, right? Get those things out. Make your bedroom completely blacked out. Shut off all your Wi-Fi. Shut off all your ringers, your vibrating things on your phones, your watches, everything. Completely shut them down. Um, Anything that is causing, you know, any type of disturbance to your sleep, shut it off. Use guided sleep meditation that automatically shuts off after like 40 minutes. Uh, breathing exercises. These are all things you can do without a, you know, a certificate or a college degree, simple hacks. I did it last night. I I went to bed too early and woke up at three in the morning. I'm staring at the ceiling. I'm, man, I feel really well rested. I was like, I got to get back to sleep. Reached over, you know, with my Wi-Fi off and turned on guided sleep meditation, went back to bed and woke up back at, you know, 630. So these are little tools I can use now, right? I, I know what to do. Deep breathing. If I'm, you know, trying to get my parasympathetic to kick in. Uh, these are tools, it's simple things you can do.
0: Uh, you but know, most people don't ever he- hear about those tools. Right. And if they do hear about those tools, they're not from a trusted person. Like right. uh, going back to dental hygiene, right. when I went to the dentist as a kid, Every time I saw my dentist, he taught me how to brush my teeth again. Or or at least discussed it. Yeah. You're gonna use little circles and I want you to start in the front. I want to yeah. be Brian, Brian and I had very different childhood
1: experiences. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah. But Doug <laughs> had an electric toothbrush. Sure. Mike but my kid my kid definitely had seven cavities recently. Yeah. And Brian was like, I can't believe you don't brush your kids' teeth. And I'm like, yeah. dude, my parents didn't brush my teeth. Like, what who brushes yeah. their kids' teeth? And you know, I mean, like, that highlights the fact that we are all raised differently. Yes. And that we definitely have different ideas. Like my mom was very concerned about our nutrition because she had a candida issue when I was growing up. Okay. So guess what you just said right there, right? When I hear
2: cavities, I think gut issues, right? Your kids probably aren't drinking six sodas a day, right? No, they're probably not eating mac and cheese and hot dogs all day, right? No, maybe. So (laughs) what are your teeth made out of minerals, right? And what happens when your stomach's messed up and those minerals can't get where they need to go? You start getting things that require minerals to have... Degradation to degeneration, right? Yep. So you just said your mother had candida. Yep. Guess what passes through people in families and houses? And right. So yeast, bacteria, all these things that are within people, you don't just get them from eating foods, touching them, breathing around them. All these things that are in the same environment pass through the same people in that environment. Yes. So these, a lot of people, I'm glad you said this, Doug. So a lot of people like, man, I don't need to eat good. Diabetes is in my family. Well, okay. So, diabetes is in your family. Is it because it's genetic or because you all grew up on Coca-Cola and mac and cheese and ramen noodles? Yeah. Right? So, yeah, you're eating processed foods 24-7. I, every time I'm at the supermarket, I have, I, if I have to go to Walmart and grab something, I look in the shopping cart, and I look at the person, and I see this person falling out of their clothes And you know, just massive big titties, right?
0: (laughs) And they have nothing from the outside (laughs) of the grocery store, big titties or back
2: titties, Uh, both. Yeah, so, so, no, so in the cart, right, is soda, it's Kool Aid, right? It's all these processed, all sugar, everything in the cart is boxes of prepared things, nothing from the fresh outside of the grocery store, nothing that resembles a, a fresh vegetable, right? And you're going, okay, and I've had people tell me this all the time. Uh, I don't. I just take my meds. My doctor told me take the meds. It's hereditary. If your mom had diabetes, you have diabetes. Well, maybe type one, an autoimmune thing, but no, man. Like uh, this type, diabetes, type two. You brought on. Yeah. If you're if you're consuming three hundred grams of sugar a day, I, you're probably going to have type two diabetes, right? You can change that, right? And it's they're already showing now, like ketogenic diet, getting people from being diabetic. The elimination diet. That's what they use at the Cleveland Clinic, right? stop programming your body to run off high-octane fructose, right? That How do you burn fat by getting through your glucose, right? You, fat's the last thing to burn for fuel in your body. You have to go through you know, your carbohydrates, your proteins, and then you get to fat to burn. But if all you're putting in your body is carbohydrates, you're not even getting to protein and fat, so you're just going to keep building. Anything that doesn't get burned – Through exercise or activity gets stored as fat, right? Where's the first place it goes? Your liver, right? Your muscles for activity, but then your liver starts building all this fat up. We have kids that are one to three years old with non-alcoholic fatty liver disease in the United States. That is insane, right? So two thirds of the population obese and overweight.
0: And it's, and that's, we talked, you talked about millennials and just going back to, to me, I think the big dramatic shift is going to be, have to be generational, but I would love for my children when they get to college to have a very, very strong understanding of sleep hygiene yep. and basic like human maintenance, just like with special forces to work outside the box. You got to know what the box yeah. is. And I know that my kids are going to have party nights where they're drinking or they're freaking yeah. up all night studying. But if they understand that those nights should be the ab- abnorm- abnormal, abnormal the anomaly right? and they know that they feel like shit. Yeah. And so if it's Christmas break, like, or if it's a week where it's a down week, yep. they're getting to bed at ten and getting up at or getting right. to bed at midnight and waking up at eight because they schedule their classes later. No one just thinks about that stuff right. though. They think I'm young, full throttle, Yeah, let the chips fall where they may. Guilty as charged. Also, right? we're all, all hypocrites because we all did that. Ooh, <laughs> oh, that's what I'm saying. A guilty <laughs> yeah. as but, charged. But that's not a hypocrite. Yeah. That's, we didn't know. That is my we didn't that know. is my I had no idea.
2: Yeah. yeah. How many people remember waking up in the middle of the night? Uh, out of bed and just going chugging a two liter of Pepsi like it was going out of style. Yeah. In the middle of the night, you're like, I'm thirsty, my mouth's dry. And you just start chugging Pepsi. I remember I was in the Navy, uh, don't hold that against me, by the way. But when I was in the Navy, I remember waking up in the middle of the night and chugging 32 ounces of Gatorade because I had PT at four in the morning. And I'm like thinking about that now. I'm like, holy God, I drank like six of those a day. You know how much sugar is in They're that good but for you, there's sports drinks. But yeah. <laughs> I was in a different environment, but I look back at it now, it's just like Holy God. Like, and all the carbs that are in that. Yeah. The so,
0: just
1: simple sugar. Insulin resistance, right? Yep. right? So, well, I mean,
0: when, when I was a kid, my parents used to give me a shitload of fruit juice. Yeah. Because it's f- juice. Fruit, it's good it's for It's good. It. It. It's fine. You know, you like mar- all the apple juice I drank is fucking wrong. Marketing right there. There you go. Uh, milk. The milk yeah. commercials that we used to see. Milk does a body good. It's like yeah. a kid looking in the mirror and seeing his future wife and it's like some supermodel yeah. and he drinks the milk. It's well, like... That's bacon now.
2: So that's... Baking yeah. cures everything, right? So it's just, you got to be smart. Like, enjoy your life. I'm not saying go out there, you know, be a Nazi with all this food, but be smart, make better decisions. That's what we're teaching now where I work. Within the military, we're trying to get the guys that are coming right off the streets and giving them this, all this information right now. Stress management, uh, you know, positive thought, you know, doing sleep hygiene, teaching them about hormones like how to optimize it through diet, nutrition, not the pharmacy in Pakistan, like why these things matter, what you can do on a daily basis to keep you one foot out of the hospital, right? Uh, These things have to be taught young, institutionalized young. You're not going to change a guy who's 40 years old overnight, I can tell you that And they have to
0: start coming from sources that people consider to be... People are obviously super hungry for this sort of stuff. Think about all of the bullshit people buy every year. Yeah. because they think it's the right thing to buy. Yeah, absolutely. You know, they go and they buy. I'm not buying a GMO thing right. because I think that's the right thing, or whatever. It has no bearing on anything whatsoever, but they think that they're making a change for the best.
2: Right. But they every, don't even know what the— Every January 1st, every year, every gym's packed, and people want to be vegans, right? It's They want to do something, but they're getting misguided, right? And yeah. It's just make little decisions every day that have a big impact over time.
1: I was looking at the Beyond Meat thing that Brooke, the most processed yeah, thing that I've that Brooke and I ever seen ever for yeah. the our talk on plant-based diets the other day and I was laughing my ass off because this like super processed thing had a very proud badge that, on it that said non-gmo is that the one that's like a thousand times the estrogen that everyone keeps talking uh, about we talked about the that impossible Burger yeah, the impossible yeah. it's actually not that bad um Taste wise, but. yeah, no, 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 no. I mean, uh, the actual composition. I mean, the, the real problem there is that it's overly processed, really. Yeah. Uh, and and the estrogen count kind of varies. It's not. It's not as bad as you would think. Brooke and I talked kind of about that in that other video, which will come out. But yeah. I mean, for me, in a, in a lot of this, I think that. I don't think you're going to get bitch tits from eating one burger. No. <laughs> or from eating one possible burger. You right. know what I mean? I The real thing there is that that's an emotionally driven diet yeah. for, for everybody. Like, yeah. I don't like the... Save the animals? Yeah. I don't like the industrial food complex. Okay. I mean, honestly, it's pretty gross. Right. I mean, the way we make meat is gross. I understand why you would have an emotional reaction to it. I mean, I don't, but I mean... Even the Middle East figured that out. It's called halal. Halal, yeah. <laughs> All right. The uh, But I mean... Got us beat on that one. I also they just like tasteless meat over there. You know what I mean? Like rubber meat, all that halal stuff. You're like, why is every piece of meat here so bad? Yeah. Uh, it's because it's halal. You know, like we drain we we drain all the blood out of it and we hang it and <laughs> then we boil it. That's this is our our strategy. Um, sometimes other things are done before they're killed, but we won't mention those. (laughs) Uh, I feel like that's, that makes them eat more tender. (laughs) (laughs) They get tenderized. All right. They were raised with love. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I do think like, I want to circle back. I knew we, we could talk forever, but we're going to make a series of videos with you today. And I don't want to like be in here for three hours talking about the stuff that we're going to do on video. Um, I do Want to point out the fact that, like, you're getting traction in what you're doing. There's been the... Crea- I mean, you're currently working in a cell that focuses on bringing attention to this yes. and taking care of soldiers in this vein. Yeah. Like, holistic fitness, yeah. medicine, um, I mean, nutrition, the whole deal, right? Yes. And, like, this is one hell of a way to capstone what has been, like, I mean... what? I mean, what is this... Uh, I mean, this is a decade for you of a labor of love right since 2011 okay so i mean yeah, yeah we're getting there um yeah. and you know you've briefed the undersecretary of the army on these issues right defense yeah, yeah the undersecretary of Defense. So, there you yeah. go like bigger and you got i mean you're getting help now from we got a team
2: with it there's over 50 individuals through the va dod dha uh civilian institutions we meet uh, usually about once or twice a month and we collaborate it's a big collaboration and everybody comes from all these different walks of life they all have a piece of the puzzle and we've been able to accomplish more by connecting with each other and helping each other out than you know people trying to get you know bonuses and keep contracts for work that have to justify their position we've done a lot and these people like i said it's not me it's me knowing how to connect with people and we every time we connect, we bring another you know another important piece of this puzzle, and it's just been incredible. It's it's moving faster now than I
1: ever dreamed it would happen. I, I for one, like I see this as a Jeff Dardia project. <laughs> I know that there are a lot more people involved, and that it's a team effort. Yeah. And I, but I for one, really appreciate the effort that you put into it for us as SF guys. Without yeah. you, I would never. Have known who to talk to or, you know, what to address at all. So like I for one am super grateful and I don't I, I hope that your friend list doesn't blow up after <laughs> this podcast. No. But I definitely do think that what you're doing, people should be standing up and taking note of. And that, uh, you know, whether it be in the SF community or someone who works as an accountant, yeah. the reality is that a lot of these things are affecting all of us in our society. Yeah. And ignoring it is at our own great peril. Like we are only here for a very short period of time and living a low quality of life, being miserable is not a requirement. No,
2: like we always say, right? Pain is inevitable. Suffering is optional, right? Dude, I I wouldn't change a damn thing that I did in my career, but every day I have left alive with my family and doing everything I want to do, I'm going to make the the best at all of it. 110% best effort. Our guys that, you know, our brothers that died. They don't have that opportunity. Live for them, man. Like, don't don't piss it away. Every day is an opportunity to better yourself and better the world. So every day you're sitting looking in the mirror and saying, my life sucks, it, you suck, right? It's your train of thought of what you're doing every day. Get the hell out of bed. Make a difference. Make something better, right? Every step is a step. Pro- slow progress is still progress, right? Find your passion. Find your purpose. The world owes you nothing. Don't be miserable. Go find something that's fun and do it die living. Yep. 100%. There
0: we yeah. are. <laughs> yeah. Um, I do have one question before we before we leave yeah. for Jeff. Um, I have a civilian doctor. We're, yep. Doug and I are National Guardsmen. Yep. Uh, they're not plugged in a system at all. She is a TRICARE primary care manager. Right. But is there a website I could point her to or like a cheat sheet or something like that where she could look at it and be like oh you know what i'd hadn't thought about all these things while i'm treating this anomalous character that normally in the okay the, yeah. the wilds of chapel hill i don't see
2: so if they go on the institute for functional medicine website and look up the functional medicine matrix it's literally like we would have the operations process it looks like mdmp it looks like a model we use for planning and operations think of course of action development easy to follow it's lifestyle environment and genetics uh, it's free for anyone to download and look at. They can go. There's videos online, educational videos you can look at it. It's common sense stuff. It, none of it is uh, rocket surgery. You know what I'm saying? Like real easy to follow, cause and effect. You do this, you know, this happens. These things are in your environment, you put them in your body, these things happen. Take these things out of your body, those things happen. It's that simple. Sure. And, and once you start paying attention to that, you're like, holy crap, man, these diseases aren't mysteries. We can see why it's happening.
1: Also, I want to point out that during the course of this podcast, the squeaking that is being heard is my new 18-month-old black lab puppy who has discovered the joy of a squeaky tennis ball. I think and, we had a breakthrough here with her. I yeah, think yeah, this no, is for so sure. new. She's a, it's it was a <laughs> a better alternative than having her cower in the corner and and pee. So See? I feel like that's a win. Sorry, we we like are the broken. dogs therapy humans. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> sorry for the squeaky. <laughs> Doug enjoys
0: a broken animal. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they're sweeter. <laughs> <laughs> they're funner. They're they're they have they have a peasant mentality. <laughs> I can mold them in my image. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, hey Jeff, man. I seriously, I really appreciate you coming in, and I hope that uh, anybody who listens to this is inspired to do better for themselves, and and like actually start asking some tough questions of their primary care provider. And if they don't feel well and they go into the doctor, and the answer is you're depressed, take these meds. Mm. That they say, hey, man. Can we maybe look for what's causing this depression? Just look at the what, the why, not the what.
0: Yeah, and find a new doctor if they aren't willing yeah. to play ball.
1: Just, I mean, not all doctors aren't evil, right? I've been lucky. But, dude, I, I've yeah. honestly, in this process, I have been lucky to stumble on a variety of doctors <laughs> who are willing to talk and listen. But I had to come yeah. with an understanding of my own issues. Yeah. And if you walk in, and you're like, "Why well, don't I don't feel good?" fix it, then a doctor's going to fix it. But if you come in and you say, Hey, I think I don't feel good because of these things. I've never had a doctor. I mean, I'm sure they exist, but I haven't had a doctor aside from the endocrinologist (laughs) that I went to who was unwilling to give me a battery of tests to see if there were underlying issues causing the problem. Right. I mean, look, I'm going to one last analogy from the world
2: of Dartia, right? Is uh, imagine... Think of your doctor like an uh, an auto body shop or a mechanic shop, right? You bring it in there. They're just going to fix what's broken, right? They're going to see what's obvious out there and fix it. But if you were in there and trying to tell the mechanic, this is why the ball joint broke and I want to know why it happened, or they're going to say, hey, get the hell out of my garage. You paid me to fix this. Yep. Shut up, right? The doctor's doing the same thing. They're just trying to get their job done. They don't think you know crap about health. It's not that they don't care about you, but what do you know to fix yourself, right? Yeah. That's it's the same
0: thing. But to add to that yeah. analogy, if you come into the doc, if you come into the auto shop and you yeah. say, you know what, it's making some howling noise <laughs> yeah. from the front left, yeah. and it's making this clicking noise over here. Exactly, the guy can say, yeah. oh, you know what, stuff I wouldn't have seen visually, right. I can fix now. You're, same with the doctor. Right. If you get get tight with your with your symptoms, they yeah. can start. To with our guys,
2: in. it's usually the things on a wrecker and everything's. Crushed and falling <laughs> off, that, right? So we just buy a new car. We, we, our, we got the squeaks and the pops and everything. And we keep going on it. We the check engine light had been on for two years, and we hammered the gas well, pedal. Well, so. I just put a piece of tape over it. Jeff. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> so that's what <laughs> usually happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, all right, man. All right, well, guys. Let's uh, let's uh, roll in
0: some video production, and um, yeah, everybody that's listening, uh, look out for those. They should be rolling out maybe by the time this is being broadcast, but probably. Mm. At a minimum, a few weeks after that.
1: And if you are on Facebook and you want to get a very interesting education in functional medicine, you should join the Soft Health Awareness Group. Because I thought it's closed. Is it
2: closed? It's a closed group, but you there can, you go, the best man. way to do it's get brought in by somebody. But it's not
1: hidden, right? It's not hidden. You no. can no. request it. to join, yeah. and if you write in the yeah. request like, "Hey, I listened to Jeff on a yeah. podcast," I bet somebody's going to approve you. Yeah. Don't go be or,
0: surprised when the bouncer don't let you in the club. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It,
1: it, somebody just vouch for somebody. That's all it is. It's
2: we don't want people fishing for disability or going in there and the government sucks. They did all this to me. It, it, it's the wrong crowd to receive that. Yep. I can tell you that right away. Well, there's, uh, I'm going to go
0: in there and start selling doTERRA. <laughs> <laughs> Essential oils. <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, right on. Well, all right. Uh, and no Plexus or any of that crap either. Thanks for joining us, man. I appreciate it. All right, guys.